Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It's Tuesday, February 28, 2023, and I'm your host, Arielle Taylor, and my co-hosts, Lavendar and Anastasia. And uh, I just <laughs> seems like Anastasia might be having trouble getting in, so um, I'm going to, what am I going to do? Uh, hang on a second, I'll be right back. Okay, well, that was different. Yeah, Anastasia was having trouble getting into uh, the studio. So um, tonight, our special guest is Lightstar, who is a pioneering, internationally acclaimed, high-frequency attunement artist, celestial channel, author, and starseed ambassador, who is passionately committed to guiding lightworkers, starseeds, and spiritual seekers to discover the truth of their soul. Her groundbreaking visionary attunement artwork and frequency-encoded best-selling oracle decks are infused with sacred color rays and light codes that transmit pure divine inspiration, which help people awaken, realign with their soul, be inspired, and recall their destiny path. Lightstar's transformational music activation is carefully produced and designed to contain light language and toning, specific encodement frequencies, and exquisitely beautiful music that will purify, transform, soothe, rejuvenate, upgrade, and provide activation for you in various ways. She speaks over 20 light languages, which transmit and activate soul memories and healing codes and her powerful music activation is a source of high-frequency sound healing designed to emit specific encoded frequencies that will cleanse, shift, calm, energize, heal, upgrade, and inspire new levels of transformation for humanity. Over the years, Lightstar's expertise has been honored with remarkable and notable accolades, including attaining 11 traditional and alternative healing and bodywork certifications. Lightstar is also the author, artist, and creator of the popular, groundbreaking, and best-selling Magical Dimensions Oracle Cards and Activators, which is now in the second edition, and the Celestial Frequency Oracle Cards and Healing Activators, which innovatively deliver a tangible, intuitive strengthening tool that blends high-frequency visionary art and divine light codes for self-transformation, self-illumination, and self-healing. You can check out her website at lightstarcreations.com. At the top of the show, it's Anastasia's Starseed News, hoping that she got in by now, bringing topics of interest and hope to Starseeds that you won't hear in the mainstream. And we would like to thank Kathy and Fiona for hosting the Switchboard tonight uh, for anyone who may have a question or comment for Lightstar. Our main website is starseedhotline.com. 
The Stage 1 starseed confirmations are based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings in your natal astrological chart, and the Stage 2 session is a one-on-one Zoom session. Lavendar has now retired from doing sessions so she can finish her book and continue writing for starseeds. And remember, if you have a birthday coming up, you're going to get a window of 10 hours of great manifestational power. You can find out exactly when it happens to make the most of it by requesting your solar return timing. And if you would order that one or two weeks before your birthday, uh, you can make sure that you get that information on time. And if you want a reading of that chart, order about two months before your birthday. So I'm going to switch screens here, and hopefully Anastasia will be there. And yes, okay, good. So I'd like to introduce Anastasia with her Starseed News. <laughs> oh, that's just wonderful, Ariel. Thank you for the applause. And yes, I made it. It's unbelievable. But here I am, and I'm yeah. happy to be with you. What a time. Is Mercury retrograde by some chance? I should know that answer, but... No, uh, it's, it's uh, not. It's just the technology is just... Is just it is it's stalking me <laughs> these days. I'm telling you, I don't know. Yeah. But it, I've got the evil eye of the technology gods. They don't like me. <laughs> anyway, here I am, and I have some fun stuff for you tonight. So, we are the 28th of February, and tomorrow everybody is the first day of March. Most welcome in my household. Just the idea of March. The daffodils are up. We made it through another winter. So far, so good anyway. And I wanted to share with you something that I used to do as a child. I haven't thought about it in years until I came across this news article. And that is to say rabbit, rabbit on the first of the month. And you say it for good luck. Of course, there's nobody out there that I can hear that will answer me directly. But I ask you, <laughs> did you ever hear of that before, saying rabbit, you rabbit, know, when you I, first get out of I, bed? I heard of that when I was, when I was in, in school. Um, yes, and, and and now when I think about it, it's like, yeah, I'm not too aligned with rabbit medicine, so you know, I could just say something Understood. else. <laughs> yeah, it clearly wasn't very important to me because I forgot about it too. However, I'm going to share this tonight because it's appropriate because tomorrow's the first of March. So, anybody out there who wants to do this, try it. Rabbits uh, are a common symbol of good luck positivity, fertility, and growth in many cultures, not every culture, but in many cultures, from North America to Europe and Asia. The most prominent in spring, they are associated with renewal and rebirth after winter. And according to superstition, saying rabbit, rabbit before anything else on the first day of the month will bring you good luck for 30 days. Saying bunny, bunny is said to have the same effect. And if that works with technology, I might try that first thing in the morning. <laughs> buddy, buddy. <laughs> now, yeah. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt claimed to save rabbits on the first of each month. He was known to carry a lucky rabbit's foot during the 1932 presidential election ages ago, which he won by a landslide, becoming the first Democrat to win both the Electoral College and the popular vote in 80 years. Now, during World War II, many British fighter pilots opted for even greater luck by using the phrase. Notably, the Royal Air Force Academy successfully repelled the German Luftwaffe in both the Battle of Britain and the Blitz. So, rabbit, rabbit, everybody. Tomorrow's the first. (laughs) Try your luck and see what happens. And this is a great story. There's an an 11-year-old artist out there, 
and and you really ought to look this up if you're interested at all in modern art. If you have any interest in Picasso, most people don't. He's considered by well, the average person, but you have to be an art connoisseur sometimes to appreciate Picasso. But there is a young man, 11 years old, a boy, who makes millions of dollars. And even though many artists in this world struggle to make ends meet, some in my own family, people often wait decades for their talent to be recognized or long after they've left this world. But that's not the case for this 11-year-old boy named Andres Valencia. Now, not to have his paintings, uh, uh, I mean, excuse me, his paintings have earned him admiration in the art world which is no small feat. And they also carry very hefty price tags. 11 years old, keep that in your uppermost mind. The pictures of him on the net, this is a little boy. But his work is tremendous. Recently, he's, by the way, he's a prodigious painter. He just paints like crazy. Uh, he made a whopping $1.3 million selling his work at an Art Miami, prestigious gallery in Florida, averaging around $150,000 per painting. Wow. This boy has bold, colorful canvases that have earned him the nickname Little Picasso. And the best way to describe his style, in his own words, as he told Today Magazine, is a hint of cubism, surrealism a little. Well, I'll say. you got to check this out. His art journey began in the family dining room, where when he was four years old, he sat for hours looking at painting and uh, a painting in the dining room and sketching a copy of it. He said, I would bring paper and sit there and always try to copy, but it took years to get it right. Now, as, a natu- as his natural talent developed, he says he's never taken any art lessons, he began selling $20 watercolor paintings to family and friends, and soon some of those friends had acquired a wealth of his art, paying as much as $5,000 for one piece. Well, this 11-year-old has donated a significant portion of the money that he's made to nonprofits like the Children's Charity Box of Hope and AIDS Research Foundation. He said, I've been painting a lot of my life, he told Forbes in the Miami Art Show. He said, I like that people enjoy my art and it's fun going to different art shows. And his mom makes sure that, that fun is always a part of the picture for Andres telling the New York Times, my son is an artist, but he's a kid first. So, again, the boy's name, Andres, uh, let me go back here, what was it? I should know that, shouldn't I? Valencia, Andres Valencia. Look that up on the Internet and check check out this boy's Picasso-like art. It's pretty darn impressive. You would never guess a child painted it, never in a million years. It's really professional. Uh, And he's made so far, at one art show, uh, $1.3 million, 11 years old. Wow. Now, speaking of art, let's move into something that some of us are interested in, and that's stamps. Any stamp collectors out there among the starseed? I haven't done it for years. Used to love stamps. Had a nice collection. Well, Ukraine has issued a postage stamp with a reproduction of a rather well-known mural in uh, Ukraine, mural, large painting on a brick wall. And the mural shows a picture of a young boy beating up a grown man in judo. You know, martial arts judo. The kid is just beating up this man. And they made this stamp to commemorate the first anniversary of Russia's invasion. Now, it was painted by a British street artist on a demolished wall in one of the towns in, in uh, Ukraine, unpronounceable. It's a town northwest of Kiev. Anyway, it's a reference to David versus Goliath. It represents Vladimir Putin, known to be a black belt in judo, 
and depicts a young Jutoka uh, representing Ukraine knocking down a grown man. A little boy in a white judo outfit uh, beating the heck out of a black belt. The phrase, and I wondered if this was suitable for Sarseed, but I guess so, so I'm going to share it with you. The phrase, quote, in capital letters in Cyrillic script. Here it is. F-C-K-P-T-N. <laughs> and if you want to know what that stands for, just add the vowels, and you'll know. <laughs> that has been added to the lower left part of the new stamp. Uh, despite all of this issue with Ukraine and Russia and all the horrible things happening, I have to wonder, what's coming, what's going on in the world that we put words like that on a stamp, even if the vowels are left out? But there it is. Residents of the capital city have flocked to buy these new stamps from Kiev's main post office. So it's going to be a collector's item. If you collect stamps, you might want to get one of these. Uh, mm-hmm. The little guy is eating up the big guy. You bet. You go, Ukraine. Absolutely. Now... Onto a lighter, less, uh, not particularly funny story, but this is touching. Uh, a business here in America that uh, uses tomatoes in its manufacture of a product is looking for somebody called the ketchup boat guy. Well, let me tell you what this story is about. Last month, there was a miracle that actually happened in the Caribbean Sea. A man from Dominica who's named Elvis Francois was rescued after he was lost at sea for nearly a month. And what did he survive on for nearly a month? Ketchup. The 47-year-old guy had been working on his boat in St. Martin when the weather turned for the worst and he was blown out to sea and he couldn't get back to shore. He realized all he could do was wait it out and make the best of whatever he had on hand. He said, I had no food, just a bottle of ketchup on the boat, some garlic powder, he told CBS. He said, so I mixed some water so that I had this to survive for 24 days in the sea. 24 days, no land, nobody to talk to. I don't know what to do. I don't know where I was. It was rough. At a certain time, he said, I lose hope, and I think about my family. Well, after hearing his survival, surviving on ketchup story, Heinz Company has sensed that a fabulous bit of publicity was in the cards and is now looking for this man. Heinz wants to buy him a new boat, and it's been several days now, and Elvis Wansois is nowhere to be seen. So Heinz has turned to social media. Heinz posted a message in a bottle on Instagram, the pun about the shipwreck and all that, pleading for help to find the so-called ketchup boat guy. They said, we need your help in tracking down an amazing man with an amazing story. So Heinz wants to celebrate his safe return home and help him buy a new boat, but we can't seem to find him. In a statement to the media, a spokesman for Heinz said they want to gift Francois a new state-of-the-art boat that will be equipped with full navigational technology to avoid another disaster in the future. And as of a week after the original message asking the Internet for help, uh, the search is still continuing. Heinz has posted two more messages since their first plea, one explaining that Francois could be in any of Dominica's 18 towns and 53 villages, and another message clarifying that they've reached out to the government of Dominica and the Colombian Navy who rescued him. They say they've been met with several impersonators, people who say that they're Elvis Francois, but they haven't found him yet, but they're not giving up. The company asserts we know he's still out there. 
So if you're listening to this, Elvis Francois, there's a new boat waiting for you from Heinz Ketchup. It kept you alive. It's good for the rest of us. Have you ever wondered how a zebra got its stripes? I think when I was a kid, I think I asked my mother that. And according to Rudyard Kipling, a controversial now 19th century writer, the zebra got its stripes by standing half in the shade and half out. And the reason he's black and white is because the slippery, slidey shadows of the trees fell on its body, according to Rudyard Kipling, who wrote the Jungle Book, by the way. Well, researchers at the University of Bristol don't agree with Mr. Kipling. They believe they have found out exactly why zebra fur is striped with its very crisp outlines. No other animal is quite like a zebra. The team has figured out that the zebra stripes have everything to do with reducing ectoparasite attack, more commonly known as pesky biting flies. Their findings have been published in the Journal of Experimental Biology, and that reveals that the zebra's stark black and white distinctions are very effective in thwarting horsefly attack. The research was led by the University of Bristol School of Biological Sciences, and the researchers explain, we knew that horseflies are averse to landing on striped objects. A number of studies have now shown this, but it's not clear which aspects of the stripes they find aversive. Is it the thinness of the stripes? How would you all like to just have that to think about all day long, just try to figure this out? That's all we worry in the world. They go on to say, is it the contrast of the black and the white? Well, we decided to explore these issues using different pattern claws that we draped over horses. And then they set up cameras and filmed incoming horseflies. The evidence was conclusive, according to researchers. The thin black and white stripes repelled the horseflies the best. And now the team is going to try to figure out why natural selection of nature uh, chose zebras, but not other hooved animals. So there you go. We don't know exactly how they got their stripes yet, but we do know that that's why they have them. It keeps the horseflies off of them. So you can follow that logic however you wish, but that's the new finding. Now, you know, I think we're all concerned about water. Good grief. I know I am, just about everybody is that's thinking about it. And, of course, there's a a want of it. You know, there's drought and there's contamination and the poor people in Ohio. And, goodness sakes, uh, water is just becoming a concern over all the planet. And one of those concerns is forever chemicals, PFAs. PFAs are a class of compounds that have been widely used since the 1950s, but they've been linked to a number of concerning health issues. And to make matters worse, a recent study discovered that PFA levels in rainfall, there's practically everywhere on Earth, and even that rainwater is exceeding safety levels. Now, that's really concerning. You know, what is in our rainwater is in our rivers, is in the ocean, in the ponds. So that goes up in the sky and comes down as rainwater. So the contamination in groundwater and in in, uh, land water is going up into the sky and recycling. So these molecules are very difficult to degrade, and that's how they got the, the term, the moniker, forever chemicals. Well, a, a, a science, scientists based in Australia have devised an exciting new method for eliminating these from water. They found that when a solution is added to contaminated water, their, their, solution, their solution to the problem is added to contaminated water, 
it covers the contaminants and renders them uh, magnetic and allows them then to be extracted from the water. The method for removing these PFAs from water involves creating a magnetic solution that covers the molecules in these forever chemicals and magnetizes them. And experiments with small samples of contaminated water, the scientists discovered that they could remove over 95% of the PFA molecules within 30 seconds, including over 99% of something called Gen X, a particularly hazardous compound. Fascinating. Tremendous. I wish them the best. It's really very hopeful. the, The scientist said, our method shows that it's possible to remove more of these chemicals in a way that is faster, cheaper, cleaner, and is very simple because the process does not need electricity. It can be used in remote and off-grid communities, and now they're going to scale up the testing and have it commercially available within the next couple of years. Couldn't be soon enough, but that's tremendous breakthrough. Wonderful. Good, good, good news. Yeah. Well, tired of mowing your lawn? Uh, some people at the University of California, Davis, have a solution for you. Uh, if you're one of the lucky students to attend the University of California at Davis, you will have seen the solution. There are sheep mowers on campus, and they're managed by the College of Agriculture and Environmental Sciences. And if you haven't guessed it yet, it's domestic sheep, sheep mowers. Uh, these have been on the campus since 2021. They did it because COVID masking and social distancing protocols uh, altered campus life. And they needed to keep their lawns trimmed. They didn't want to use the mowers. I guess they didn't want people. I don't know, but that's what they say. The sheep have proved now to be a powerful mood booster also for students, staff, faculty, and advisors, visitors. Um, In addition to grazing on the weeds and doing a very good job of keeping the grass short, they also enrich the environment by depositing organic fertilizer at regular intervals on the landscapes where they graze. Sheep mowers provide a lot of other environmental benefits. Now, we're talking about grazing sheep here, just to be clear. They reduce noise pollution. They decrease fossil fuel consumption. And a recent study shows that the benefits, uh, uh, most surprising and unexpected, is that they're improving the student's mental health and their well-being and is reducing student stress levels just by being there. Students that were interviewed uh, reported being happy. Uh, They're stressed between classes. They have finals. They're freaking out. They go out. They sit down on a bench and watch the sheep. And before you know it, they're cured. They go on with their day with a whole new sense of purpose and calmness, and they're happy. Student after student after student reported that. They are loving these sheep, and there's quite a mess of them, uh, quite a bunch of sheep that they are using to keep the lawns trimmed at the University of California, Davis. What do you think about that, Ariel? I think that's uh, brilliant. That's wonderful. And guess what? No lawnmower noise. And right. the kids are really, everybody, the whole public is really enjoying this. And the sheep, of course, are very happy. All right, our last story for tonight is about a way to rescue people caught in rubble after earthquakes. And this is really something. Um, after the terrible earthquake in Turkey and Syria last week, with many thousands of casualties, rescuers have been scrambling to discover survivors 
in the rubble of these buildings. Search and rescue dogs uh, helped at some locations, but they say that future disasters may receive assistance from a very unexpected source. Rats are currently being trained to work in the aftermath of earthquakes. Rats can go deep into the rubble and penetrate where dogs may not be able to go. This is an electrical engineer that's working with a nonprofit company that trains the rats. Why do they need an electrical engineer? Well, I'll tell you. For more than a decade, the organization has used rats to identify landmines in Africa. They are relying on rats' amazing sense of smell. Now, this is where the electric engineer comes in. The rodents wear a backpack with tiny cameras that can broadcast a video feed to rescuers' phone outside as they practice for future crises. They are doing uh, practice runs with these rats. Uh, Their backpack contains a two-way microphone. It allows the rescue team to communicate with victims. The rats also wear a vest with a micro-switch, which the rats themselves are taught to pull when they find a person. Rescuers can transmit a beeping signal to the rats, instructing them to return to the surface. And again, they get their rewards, such as peanuts or maybe some bananas and avocados. And so far, these rats have mastered the ability to locate victims. They can and do activate a switch to communicate the position of the victim, and they navigate out of the wreckage on command. Now, they say their location abilities are becoming more complex with time. They're adding in their training additional obstacles and loud noises like you would have with cranes overhead removing stuff. The crew has intended to travel to Turkey to continue training, but they said they weren't prepared to work with the level of the present tragedy. According to this RAT team, they say it's better to wait until they're certain that the, that the team is completely prepared. They said we don't want to get in the way, but hopefully we're going to have these rats ready for the next one. And these particular rats are enormous. Uh, we don't have those kinds of rats here in the States. My one question to myself as I read this was, wouldn't that freak out the people that are being rescued? I mean, a lot of people might really be startled and scared to see a rat, not knowing what it was for. But I suppose, since the rat is wired to a camera, the uh, observers above can see when a rat is approaching a person and speak through the microphone so that the person hears someone talking to them. I imagine that would assuage the panic. Someone might see it, a big rat coming at them in a hole under the ground. So, But that's really something, and it really makes a lot of sense. And finally, real, real quick, we have one last story to share with you briefly. Uh, I think it's important in the field of medicine. It also raises certain issues. But let me just say that Australia is the first nation to acknowledge psychedelics as medicine. Now, the word about the mushroom treatment in mental health has been all over the mainstream news in the last week. But this is something a bit different. Um, Let me tell you, the Australia's Therapeutic Goods Administration, that's what they call kind of their health group, has surprised researchers by approving the psychedelic chemicals found in magic mushrooms and MDMA for use by patients with specific mental health issues, making Australia the first country to recognize psychedelics as medicines. So what's happening here in the States is not happening in a vacuum. This is occurring in other places as well. Interesting. Um, Now, MDMA and psilocybin, the active ingredient in magic mushrooms, will be classified as Schedule 8 drugs, which means they will be available for controlled use when prescribed by a psychiatrist specifically, beginning in July of this year. Now, patients with specific treatment-resistant mental illnesses will have access to these medications. 
Um, they're going to use it to probably treat post-traumatic stress disorder, treatment-resistant depression, and for all other purposes, they will remain illegal. They have found, incidentally, as an aside, that um, psychedelic substances or other uh, consciousness-altering drugs or uh, plants are not advisable for individuals that have a diagnosis of borderline personality disorder, schizophrenia, or psychoses, um, and other certain um, conditions where the uh, ego is not fully developed. So th- that is the wrong thing to do, the, a terribly wrong thing to prescribe in many mental conditions. There are only a few that allow this to um, be of safe use. So that is in the wind and uh, in the future. All right. Well, Australia, you know, so many other countries are ahead of us. Have you noticed that, Ariel? Both with the environment, yeah. with medicine. I mean, wow. And it's good to know. You know, the world often does better than we do here in the States. I mean, it's not just about us. We are part of a big planet and many beautiful people doing many wonderful things to solve our collective issues. Blessings to each and every one of them. We have a wonderful planet. And we're part of a wonderful species, a little bit lost at the moment, but, you know, uh, that's just part of the journey. So I know all of you Starseed are here to make it better, and I love you so much for that. I love each one of you. You're such beautiful hearts. Ah, and uh, that's a treasure, truly. From my heart to each one of you, I love you. Have a beautiful march, and don't forget, rabbit, rabbit, tomorrow if you want to improve your life. <laughs> <laughs> and okay. and I'll try that before next next show next two weeks. Make sure we don't have any technological difficulties. Okay. okay. Thank you so much, Ariel. Have a great oh, night. Thank you, Anastasia. Good job. Bye. See you in two weeks. Okay. So now I'm going to get Lavendor's mic open and. And our special guest, Lightstar, get your mic open. It's spinning. Okay. Ladies, your mics are open. Lavender, you set and go, ready to go? I'm set and ready. Okay. So, Lightstar, yes, Lightstar, uh, I remember you. Um, I did your chart, your starseed chart back in, I think, 2013. So I came in here and I pulled up your chart just to see what was happening mm-hmm. tonight. So guess what you have? You have Jupiter and Venus conjunct on your Athena as we're talking. Well, that sounds interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's been so long. Gosh, was that all the way back 2013? Wow. Yes, it was. A lot has, a lot has happened since then, that's for sure. <laughs> um, oh, and I'm, I'm so thrilled to, to see these cards that you have created and the artwork, I've been sitting and, and looking at the pictures and just marveling at the galactic uh, instructions on each one of them. So mm-hmm. I applaud you, girl. This is this is a great uh, venture that you're doing. Yeah, so tell us a little every, about what's happening with you and, and how mm-hmm. you came to do these cards and, and the work that you do for Starseeds. Just, just start at the beginning and, and tell us anything you want us to know. Okay. Well, thank you again for having me on here. Uh, I just, um, I've gotten to do so many different types of things over the years, but uh, I also 
I'm an artist, visionary artist, and I call my art attunement art. So that's uh, a little unusual about my artwork. It just um, comes and it's more activating and awakening for people. So I have a whole repertoire of artwork that I've been working on that has turned into the Oracle cards. And then I also uh, help people in my work just to uh, help them to you know, know who they are, and uh, I do soul, starseed origins, soul origins from uh, the perspectives of starseed, angelic, and elemental uh, streams and aspects and help people with life purpose, and I have a whole host of different things, but I also do custom artwork for people, and I have a unique way of looking at some of the codes and symbols and glyphs and light languages that are coming in around people's energy and I can tap into that and and draw that and uh, actually create an art image for them that helps them to unpack their, you know, codes that are coming in or the energy packets. And so that's, these are just some of the things that I do, but over the years I've also dived in, uh, opened up my, my stream to music and that wasn't something I was ever doing in my past, but some levels had opened up for me, channels opened up, and so I've been doing music now, um, some different types of music that um, we can talk about that later as well. But really just um, all of my artwork started to formulate into an oracle concept uh, early on, and yet it still takes five years for me to create at least one of the decks. It took me five years, and then it was probably another five years before I created the second one, because uh, I, you know, this is all my own artwork, so it takes me a long time to get to that many uh, to create an art um, image, and then to create 44 or now 55 in the other deck. So the first deck that I had was out for five years and it was it's the magical dimensions oracle cards and that has now been on second edition so now we just came out with the second edition of that where i've added 11 new cards and refaced the um borders and some of the backing because it actually blends in and matches now with my second oracle deck which is the celestial frequencies oracle so you could think of them as like the first deck is the starter deck. It's got all the different, um, a lot of elemental energies, a lot of earth energies, Gaia energies, but also some galactics and angelics. It's just kind of a well-rounded, you know, get unicorns in there and all different kinds of energies in there. And then the uh, Celestial Frequencies Oracle is like an upgrade to the first deck and you can blend them all together to get a full 99 cards out of uh, both decks with the the 55 new um, second edition of the Magical Dimensions. And so it gives you this upgrade. Um, The Celestial Frequencies deck has uh, 12 different galactic images in there. So they're the, the star people. And they also have a lot of codes and symbols and glyphs and light languages in it as well um, with those cards. So that's why it also is a kind of an upgrade and an activation in and of itself. Because over the 
over the decade or so, I've been also doing light language activations for people, and I speak about over 20. I'd say that I have about 125 in my in my energy field, but I can't pull all that down. So I've gotten about 20 or so that I'm working with on a regular type of basis. Um, maybe half of those I'm working with it mostly, but there's other ones that I speak that comes out sometimes just, you know, for whatever purpose. And I did a lot of, I do a lot of activations on my YouTube channel for people as well on there. So that's kind of the overview of the decks and how they came to be. I'm really excited about them. They, um, it's kind of interesting. Something happened where the, this is what really was supposed to come out. The second deck was supposed to come out in the summer of 2022. And that's when it was set to come out. And the Magical Dimension second edition wasn't supposed to come out until later, like after that. So I think that what happened personally, I feel that the star friends, my team upstairs, um, delayed everything because there was a massive delay the supply chain issues with publishers were having problems, paper shortages, like publishing issues, you name it, everything halted. And that deck was put off and it delayed a long time until it came out exactly when the second edition of My Magical Dimensions was coming out. So it's like it caught up to itself and that was something I didn't plan, but that I think the universe planned because they wanted them to come out together. And so, you know, sometimes, you know, we, we say that saying, uh, God, you know, what is it? God plan or man plans and God laughs, you know, (laughs) like, okay, you're not doing that. Sorry. Um, so I just kind of let it up to, you know, the universe to how that happened, but that's how it played out. And now that they are uh, finally shipping, because I had a lot of a delay with a lot of the pre-orders and those just finally just got out the door and now the products are shipping regularly if um if you get them from my website or from my Etsy site they are shipping out I just have heard a lot of things about some other people online not getting them and that's maybe because that bookseller doesn't have them yet from the um from my publisher but they are shipping out uh in a couple of business days from from my site and so um, that's kind of the overview. I'm really excited about them. I, I created these for, for the world, really, to activate and awaken and upgrade and open um, to these other realms. And that's kind of what I'm doing is bringing these other realms here so that we can have right. a more well-rounded experience. Well, I really think that these cards are designed for people that have enough soul maturity to know what they're looking at. Yeah, okay. the, the the second one are going to be, like I said, it's a, it's a little bit of an intermediate uh, type of work. and But that's why I also have a book that comes with the cards, and, and that will have a lot of the information on it so that people that don't know what, you know, the star race means or whatnot, they can just go and read about it, and that will help a lot. I do have a request. The next time you you uh, do another edition and want to add mm-hmm. something, I would love to see a card for walk-ins. Ah, uh, yes. 
Walking. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. That is yes, a good be- one. Because I am really uh, starting to see a lot of walk-ins show up on the planet. We used to have thousands, and now we have millions, especially after mm. the, uh, the the virus that hit us and took a lot of people out. They brought a lot of walk-ins <laughs> to the planet. So I'm just yep. requesting, next time Thank you do you. the card, please <laughs> yeah, walk if I, in. Do, if I do another one, because it'll probably be another five years before they want me to do another edition, you know, something different, but by that point, or it might be in a second, you know, a third deck, because by well, that point. Five years, yeah. five, five years from now, everybody's going to know what a walk-in is. Right. <laughs> exactly. That's a good point, <laughs> better. though. There's a lot of different, no, that's a great point, and I will definitely jot that down, because um, there are so many new uh, new concepts, new things that are coming on to the, to the scene that I think will be helpful to have in an upgrade. So thank you for that yeah. suggestion. So tell us a little bit yeah. about your early history of how you became the artist and, and the, um, the goddess that you are. Were you raised in a family that supported you, or were you raised by mm-hmm. religious people? Or Tell us a little bit about how you came up to know who you are. Yeah, that's a great question. I had, um, my parents are not here on the planet any longer. Um, and I had a series of, uh, starting in 2012, actually, that's when my, um, my father left the planet in 2012. And then after that, it's like my mom left four years later. And then now our, uh, all my aunts and all my uncles and everybody is all gone, like all the elders. It's like within a five-year period, four years, every four years, everyone just kind of was leaving the planet. So it's kind of interesting. Um, but they uh, were awesome people, though. Um, my parents were, I was, you know, raised very open-minded to an extent. Um, we were raised Jewish, actually, religiously. But we also had an experience after my parents actually divorced that my mom got really into the Christian religion and she started going to, you know, churches and I was sort of come uh, dragged along with her. So I had to, uh, I had some experiences there and she even went to like see a guru and, you know, she got into a lot of different things and I just was um, along for the ride. So <laughs> I got to experience or be exposed to some of these open-minded type things. My father was actually more, a lot more interested in the Eastern uh, traditions or Eastern religions. And so he was exposed to a lot of that. And that also, he told us a lot about what he was experiencing. You know, he did the thing where he went into a closet and you don't eat or you, you just sit there and think about, you know, it's kind of like the monks or whatnot, but it's just a part of a training. And so they had a lot of different experiences. They were very open-minded in that. So I feel like I, I was got to, um, you know, experience, Exposure to a lot of different types of religions in a way when I was younger and I really didn't gravitate much to religion <laughs> so um, and to be honest I was not doing any artwork as a kid this was not something I was doing very young um, I would say I was one of those people that literally got activated uh, later on in life and I had no art training how old were you when you got activated what was your age um, when you started artwork uh, well, that happened when I was in my, I guess I would say early, might have been my late 20s, early 30s, because how it happened was, well, how it initially happened, I'd say I had a slip and fall accident and I broke my leg and had 
surgery and I was non-weight bearing in a cast for three months and I had to be transported back to California at the time with my dad and my stepmom's house. And in that time I had no, I couldn't wa- I couldn't walk for three months. So I had nothing to do. My dad just, you know, handed me some charcoal <laughs> uh, and some pen, uh, colored pencils and He's just like, here, and go. And I'm like, I have no idea what to do here. I've never done this, but I I literally was like reading and doing that because there was nothing I could do for three months. So I started doing drawing and had no training or anything, but I was like, wow, I guess I could kind of do this. But what happened was I did all these drawings, and then I literally put it away. After I went back to work, I put it away. I didn't do any more of that. I didn't, you know, hand drawings or not any of that. But the digital art started to come back when I was in uh, work in Colorado and I was working for a company there. Um, I was actually working for a restoration company, environmental construction, (laughs) nothing to do with spirituality, but I actually was doing um, digital art and I was kind of getting into web design and some aspects there, just kind of diving in and doing some graphic design. And so that's really how it started as far as the skill set came in there because I started to find I had aptitude for more of the digital arts, but again, didn't pick up anything like hand drawing at all. So as I morphed into uh, doing that work for the environmental company and, and a construction company, it wasn't until I did that all those years, you know, of the art, but it was, you know, business art. And then it wasn't until I moved to Sedona and that was, a decade ago, over a decade, I think it was like 13 years ago. And that was the time when I was like, okay, I need to do something different. I knew it in 2009 is when the market was crashing. I had a feeling that the job was going to be taken away. And I was getting, my guidance was telling me, you need to go. You need to do your thing elsewhere. And so I left Colorado at the time. I'd been there for 15 years. And was on just a journey of like trying to find what the heck I was going to do next and had no idea. But I ended up in, in Sedona, not really on purpose. <laughs> that just sort of happened. And when I ended up in Sedona, I thought I would only stay there for six months. And now I've been here 13 years. So <laughs> life has a different way of taking you on a path. But everything of all of my intuitive guidance, my, um, you know, working in the intuitive field, my artwork and everything I'm doing with my spiritual art started to come out here in Sedona. It was like I had the skill set, but I had never done anything like what you're seeing my art now. And so it started off as a process and I just started to unfold and seeing these other worlds and opening up my intuitive vision to these other worlds and then started to create them you know, a concept in a way that I could uh, and refine that over periods of time. And so that's kind of how this all unfolded and how I became doing what I'm doing. And it's certainly people like you, Lavendar, that helped me to understand in a way or understand, we're trying to say understand now instead of understand, um, changing the vocabulary here. Um, But you really helped me too in the beginning because it was like all about like, you saw things in that that I was going to be doing that I hadn't even do, wasn't doing yet, and so some of those 
channels of opening up. And, and I can give you an example. I remember you even said one thing about the music. And I was at the time, I wasn't even doing any music. I've never had music in my repertoire. I never even done any of it. And so that, that actually took a while, but it just opened up a few years ago. <laughs> so, so thank you for giving me some insight into myself, you know, truly. And then I've just sort of taken it, taken the ball and, and just started running with it. You know, I mean, I feel like I'm not a walk-in, but I feel like a walk-in because my life well, just changed so dramatically. There's a lot of definitions of walk-ins. There's so many different types of walk-ins. Lately, I say lately, in the last few years, I call them drop-bys because they don't stay very long. (laughs) Mm, (laughs) They're not walk-ins, they're just drop-bys. Okay. (laughs) Uh, I'm looking at your chart, and and you were born with three planets in Aquarius in your fifth house, which shows Atlantean genius. Mercury is at 26 Aquarius, the mark of Atlantis, today. Interesting. I know your, I had and, t- time period your six, in Atlantis Sixth well. house is also, is also Atlantean degree. So mm. you really, when I looked at your cards, and you have several things in here called the Atlantean Library, I went, yes. oh, of course. Oh, it was, it was, that, yeah, well, if you saw, well, if you strung like three of those or a couple of those cards together, it creates my panoramic image of the Atlantean libraries. Yeah, and that's exactly. And it's see, really you powerful. Were born, you were born really with it. This. this was at your birth. Yeah, this that makes it. sense. That totally makes sense because you I know, had dreams as a kid. Like I literally had dreams as a kid of that. Like that image that, of the Atlantean libraries is an actual real thing. Like I was seeing it, the underwater aqua gates, these different portals, these uh, all different beings from all over, even galactic ET races, like all of it. And yet it was, you know, focused on the sea at the time that I was seeing the visions of that. And, uh, you know, it took a while to actually get your vision into, like, tangible form. <laughs> that took a while. But uh, I, don't know whether I, I don't know whether I told you this at your reading or not, but uh, <clears throat> I was told some time ago that, that the galactics will send a beam of... of uh, inspiration or, or, or a plan to a thousand people, a hundred mm. run with it, and ten pick it up. No, a hundred pick it up, ten run with it, but only one gets to do it. And I think mm. you were in that because when you were born, you were born with such a strong Atlantean library that, and now you've come forward with these beautiful uh, cards and, and and images that could only come from a place like Atlantis. Mm. You know, I, I, it's funny you said that because I, I call that whole process that you just said, which I also call the um, the Pleiadians uh, actually have a lot to do with this, I feel, is the creativity yeah. matrix. <laughs> the creativity matrix is like that. It's like this river of idea that flows and we reach up and there's a certain amount that comes to several people and then and those several people get a chance to dilute and run with it, and then not, but not everybody gets to run with it. Um, but right. as we found, as we as we found, if you, I found this myself. If you sit on something 
and you don't do it and you don't get the calling to go in and actually do it, somebody else will, though, reach up into that matrix, pull it down, and you'll see it if you didn't do it. You'll find somebody will, like, come around you, and you'll see your, oh, wow, I was supposed to do that, but I didn't. Okay, good for the other person, though. (laughs) So let me ask you, in your 20s and 30s and 40s, when you're watching television and an invention came up, did you ever say, oh, I thought of that already? Did you do that? I have done that where it's like, but, you know, not that you picked, took it and run with and ran with it. You know, I think that um, sometimes I feel like they, when we look at the, the galactics and they give, you know, wherever it comes from, but if you pull it down, sometimes they feel like saying to those people, you know, we have a lot of other things going on down here. <laughs> I can't always get to everything. Like I can't, you know, it's not like I have time to do all of these things, right? So I've kind of had to just pick the the most important things that you just are get the calling and you're getting the idea and you, you're being asked, do you want to run with this? You have to kind of pick which ones are in the reality of of your you know, getting it together and making it happen. Because I know that a lot of those things, uh, inventions and all sorts of things that you want to do, they don't all come to pass. Now, I mean, I've spent the last decade, especially the last five years too, just pushing a lot of things out the door, a lot of new things. And so I did do a lot of what was asked of me, you know, to the detriment of, you know, my life, you know, really, because it was really dedicated to bringing what I can to humanity. That's what was important to me about waking up and doing it. You know, I'd spent, it wasn't until I was in my 40s. You know, some people wake up and start doing this stuff much earlier. I wish I had, but, you know, I know there's reasons why I couldn't have done it at that time. But but still, I feel like I had a lot of work to do in a very short window. <laughs> so... It's like, go, and go, and go again. Yeah, <laughs> but, and, and also, astrologically, you've got Neptune conjunctor Saturn now at the, at the Jesus and Mary Magdalene degree on the planet. So you're going to come into a lot of people that are holding the Jesus Mary, Mary Magdalene bloodline on the planet, which there are millions of them, by the way. Yes. I've already had that happen where I've come across that um, connection point um, through, I was connected to that very, very strongly as well through that book that you always recommend that the expected one. And that book was very eye opening for, I'm sure a lot of people who I was tears, just tears streaming down my teeth, just, just such a visceral feeling, you know, that this is truth here. And I think a lot of us were in that time period, you know, more than, more than we know, um, that we were there and we experienced that. And so I have felt like I've, you know, there's a lot of people coming around now that are connected to uh, the divine feminine energy as well as the divine masculine and balancing that. So that makes total sense as well. What, what years did you live in Colorado? Because I was in Colorado mm-hmm. from 1980 to 1987. 80 to 87. Okay, so I was there, it would have been, I graduated um, high school, I'm sorry, college in 89. So I think it would have been for me, actually, I was there about 
the year 1999. That's when I had my accident, so I know I was there then. Uh, through, you know, for the next, like, 15 years after that. Okay. Right. Somewhere around that. I think everyone should have some time in Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> it helps to I clear your mind. I loved it when I was there. I really loved yeah. it when I was there. I mean, it, it was bipolar weather, yes, for sure. Um, that part of it I really wasn't crazy about. But um, but the beauty of the mountains there and the mountain range and the energy there, it felt so alive. There was so much life and aliveness that that's, I just love that area there. Sedona's got its own vibe. Um, to me, it's not the same, but it's still got its own unique signature. And I've been really grateful to have lived in some of the most beautiful places in the United States, you know, because I lived in Santa Barbara. I lived in Santa Cruz, um, in the Bay Area, and also down in um, Southern California, San Diego area. So I've lived quite a bit, and now Arizona, um, lived some of the most beautiful places. And yes, I I definitely think Colorado is inexperienced. If you don't mind the blizzards and the cold and the crazy weather. Well, here in Arkansas, we've had pretty mild mild winter, and mm-hmm. we've had seventy degree weather for the last few days when everybody else is really cold. So, so, so we're very fortunate to have good weather here in Arkansas. Arkansas is beautiful. It's just you got a lot of the green and. Are you up by um, the Eureka Springs area, or do you, I'm oh, sure you get up there. We're around the Hot Springs area. Yeah, that's a nice area. Yeah. yeah. So do you well, still you take to... your tours and stuff uh, yes, through yes. to the Arkansas? Uh, okay, that's great. Yes, you need to come to one at some point in time. We do one I in think... May and November now. We have dropped the March and uh, the August ones, but we're doing the Pleiadian lineup in May and in November. So oh, May wonderful. is full. Maybe you could come in November. Who knows? I will definitely a... put it on my to-do list at some point. <laughs> okay. If I can get away okay. for doing that, that would be nice. Yeah. I've been so, so locked in. I so appreciate that you sent me both of these decks. You also sent both decks to uh, my co-host, Arielle, who who I'd like to pass you yeah. over to now. She has the switchboard, and I'm sure mm-hmm. she has some questions for you because she's pretty excited about these cards, let me tell you. Yeah, well, excited. thank you. I'm, I'm, thank you for for just being the, the first people to have your hands on them and to play with them. And, you know, they have the gold and, gold and silver frequencies, on the back now, which is something new to add, there's a nice little foiling effect on there. So um, they're very, very high quality, and I'm very excited. So yes. I'm glad you guys have them. And the and the back cover has all these symbols of Athena on the back. The diamonds are all over the back. Yes, diamond. The diamond <laughs> frequency came in a lot with this deck. There was a lot yes, of diamond I- energy coming in. So And it's kind of got, you know, the cover of it is, uh, depicts uh, Ascended Master Hilarion. That's my depiction of him. And so it kind of balances it out with the masculine and feminine because the first deck has the female energy on the front. And then now this has the, the celestial frequency. It's got the masculine energy. And there's a little bit more of the masculine cards in there as well. So that balances out. And that's why I like it. Both masculine and feminine energies intertwining together. Yes. Yes, it's beautiful. Both decks are beautiful, and I would, 
I would say to my Starseed audience, please take a look at these cards and see if they speak to you because they definitely have messages from the Atlantean Library. So I'd like to mm. pass you over now to Ariel, my co-host. Thanks so Thank much, you. Lavender. It was great to talk with you. You too, honey. Okay, okay. bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay. So um I I wanted to go a little bit uh, into a little bit in more specifics with the with the mm-hmm. cards because I have just so enjoyed them and mm-hmm. um I know that you know the the magical dimensions you said are more uh you know for people who maybe uh, are you know beginners or just starting out or um mm-hmm. maybe they're advanced souls but they're not familiar with oracle cards and you know you've got several different layouts to use you know really mm-hmm. clear you know instructions in the book and um i pulled out a couple of cards here just to tell you how much you know i like them and mm-hmm. um when the very first um the fir- very first time i uh, when i got the the magical dimensions deck um, mm-hmm. The very first thing I did, of course, um, I followed the directions and and uh, you know cleansed my hands and and did the <laughs> you know energy clearing on the deck and mm-hmm. and then I I just pulled out three cards, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of at random, and one of them was love, you know, Pleiades star angel, mm. and I love that card, perfect, even without looking it up to see what your definition is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it just, I could just look at this for a long time and <laughs> and just keep, you know, absorbing. And they're so, I mean, th- these cards are so coded that even if you yeah. don't know that they're coded, there's a part of you that does know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you Absolutely. Understand what, yeah. I mean, it, it kind of goes on a on a like a subliminal kind of level, and starts mm-hmm. to shake things loose. And um, I'm looking for the other card that I, I'm trying to re- remember. Remember which one? <laughs> which ones they Which ones they were? But there was the oh 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 adventure. And ah, yes, yeah, and, and I was like, well yeah, I, I really, I really resonated with that. And there was, there was another one. Um, so you mixed the cards together, or the whole, the two decks together, and just picked from those, right? Or were you just I, picking? No, actually, actually, I did them one at a time. Oh, you did because okay, I just, separately. I kind of wanted to, you know, get the pure flavor from from yeah. each deck, <laughs> and and they really yeah. do have, you know different frequencies but i found mm-hmm. that the the um um well when it, before i you know well i was just holding and i hold the deck and i'm just being still and mm-hmm. and the question that i had is what is of top priority right now mm. so mm. um and i i pulled out three cards and and i've mm-hmm. just from you know other decks that i've used one, you know, the first one would be like <clears throat> what you've come through and then where you are now and then where you're going. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there was, I'm looking through, I wish I hadn't mixed them back into the deck because yeah. I was like, what <laughs> was that card? Of, uh, I, the one, I think the reading that most symbolizes if you pick three cards is probably going to be 
the keys of the bridge because there's three cards there and that is kind of like the first one's the present the second one's the lesson and the third one is like the future or you know possible insights into that so it could be similar similar reading to the keys of the bridge um but definitely i love the fact that when those come out because of two the pleiades and the adventure card you know those are actually really playful cards you know it's also about discovery and self-discovery and you know going down the rabbit hole <laughs> so to right speak. yeah you know As I'm looking up. The, the third one had to do with um with healing and mm. i know you've probably got several cards in here that have to do with that um but mm-hmm. rather than you know rather than sit here and, and shuffle through cards i, I just i just yeah. you know and I really like the ones where you have the f- actual frequencies, you know, like unification, 963 mm-hmm. hertz, the yes, oneness healing that's, code. That's a very unique thing to my work because um, the they're called healing. Well, they're in the, see, the first deck, the second, uh, I should say the second edition, Magical Dimensions, have seven chakra cards in there. So they're like cards that are related to the chakras. Most people are familiar. They're just the main seven. And then in my Celestial Frequencies, a new one, I had, since then I had done seven healing shields and seven healing codes. And so the healing codes themselves are uh, relating to Solveggio frequencies. So when you see, you know, 417 hertz, uh, cleansing healing code, you know, for example, that's depicting energy. So it's like, and this, these these do relate to the seven chakras also, but in this way, it's actually looking as though it's kind of like a higher octave of your chakra system in a way, higher frequencies, higher because you're getting the codes and the symbols in there as well as the, the main frequency of the solfeggio tone you're working with with the codes. And then the shields, um, they more resonate to the realms. I call it realms rather than uh, chakras per se. Um, the shields are like shields, literally. So, and they, they follow the like astral realm to the galactic realm to the physical realm or you know psychic realm and things of that nature. So they're really powerful because um, those are are mixed in, you know, but there's basically 14 of them in there uh, in the celestial frequencies. And I love those. They're, they're very powerful and they help you to, um, and once you get to know their frequencies and get to feel their energies, you can help answer a lot of questions that way too because, like, what is this energy? What does the frequency have to do with well, you know, hey, it might have to do if you pull the, the, the uh, you know, psychic healing shield, for instance, you know, you know you're dealing with some mental or psychic or intuition. And it could also be, you could read those in the reverse, even though I don't have reversals on cards. I don't create them. But if people like to mix them up and, you know, create their own reversals and their own meanings of those, I, I encourage people to do that. I don't. You know, I have a certain system that I created for this, but I don't want to limit people. So I want people, the Oracle decks are supposed to be, you know, I, I created the deck um, booklets because I felt, you know, I had to. You know, you have to give people something to start with, but I actually prefer 
if people just take the cards and just go with it and do it however it feels right to you because that's you using your own intuition and and building that psychic muscle, which is the whole reason why I created these two, is to help people to build that muscle. So don't be afraid to just go with it and just turn them upside down if you want, read them that way. I mean, I have a little bit of a, I wrote a little bit about that in the second book, uh, book you know, about reversals. Um, but you can work with these many different ways, even reading the numbers on them you know, in numerology, because there were, uh, there was some thought process in that to uh, look at the certain numbers of the cards. And in this, and in the new deck, they also have an icon on the right hand side at the bottom, which the first deck doesn't have that, but the second deck does. And it helps you just to know whether it's a shield, whether it's a code, whether it's a galactic being, or whether it's like another, um, I call it Metatron's, Metatron's energy or, you know, of the other galactics or other ascended masters or unicorns or whatnot like that. So other realms, other worldly realms of the orbs and things of that nature, too. So um, they're fun to play with, that's for sure, but they're also very high level. <laughs> so, well, you know. yeah, it seems to me that you've included some, um, like, fluidic energies to where you know once a person you know gets kind of gets the hang of it and and gets the the flavor of each card mm-hmm. um you can take it as far as you want i mean just Absolutely. like you, you know you put the put the ingredients on the counter and five mm-hmm. different people will cook five different <laughs> meals so it's you know the ingredients are all there uh mm-hmm. but you know i mean and I'm, when i was you know reading your interpretation I was putting my own spin on it. It's like, okay, yes. that I relate to that in this way, where someone else Absolutely. might relate to it in another way. So yeah, they, and, they and are, that's, per, that's exactly what I want. Is that you know we we have guidelines here, or guiding, or starting point. You know, it's like the lighthouse, and then yes, you are to take it however you would like to take it. Um, the second the second deck actually has some realignments in the booklet that actually are helpful. Uh, for working with some other types of healing embrace uh, healing expressions maybe for that particular card so like in the first deck I have some essential oils and a crystal listed but then in the second deck I sort of expanded that to where a lot of different types of whether it works with um, you know flower essences essential oils and crystals but also some other types of healing modalities that might be also connected to that because some people are using these cards not just for oracle readings, which is the thing about my decks, is that they're also using them for grids. And I call them activator grids or activator healing grids. And I have um, some layouts in the books that can show you how to lay out the cards and how to use them for grid work, which is super powerful. I know some people that don't use them oracle decks. They don't use them for oracle, they do, but they do use them for gridding. So that's another really unique thing about these is that they're very versatile. <laughs> they can be used right. in many different ways. And I even, even though I have suggested some few of the layouts for the grid work, you can come up with your own grids, your own layouts, you know, your own types of uh, healing grids. But the ones that I have in here are just ones that I felt that those came 
very easily to putting the decks, you know, together. And, and, but you can, when you're using them as your Oracle readings, I also have some really unique spreads. I don't do like the Celtic cross and the ones that you're usually used to hearing about. Um, I'm, you know, coming up with different, different types of these spreads for, for Oracle readings, like, you know, pyramid builder spread and cosmic ladder and um, the timeline uh, sequencing spread is really interesting. So there's some really interesting ones in there that you can play around with, but by all means, I also like to have people just create their own stuff and go with it. But they're really, they're really for the world, uh, for people who resonate with them, obviously, um, you know, people that, that want to start off and you can use the deck separately, do not have to mix them together. I just happen to do that because I like that. <laughs> I like the silver and gold energies on the back. Um, and I like how it, it, it just creates a really more powerful reading with both of them. But you can certainly use them by themselves too. They're standalone decks as well. Yeah, well, you know, I, I really... The first time I, excuse me, used the uh, the magical dimensions cards, um, I felt uplifted, encouraged. Mm. I felt lighter, and because the way the cards that came up for the question that I asked, it was just so I don't know, soothing, mm. comforting, mm-hmm. uh, reassuring, um, you know, and I just. I felt more hopeful, you know, encouraged mm. about things because I met a lot of people, <clears throat> excuse me, um, you can get you can get so easily sucked into the third dimensional um, collective, <laughs> yeah. you know, the thought stream. The thought stream mm-hmm. is, is like a like a cloud of pollution all yes. over the planet. And you know, yes. not until you get up above um, you know, a certain elevation, can you kind of get up out of that or if you're like on an airplane? But mm-hmm. in, it's it's pretty insidious because you could be, you know, standing in a soup of of really dense energies and, and it gets on you. And, yep. and, you know, you just kind of start feeling a little wonky or a little testy about things and you realize that, you know, you've yeah, well, I've I've long called this energy cooties. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, and you can you know when you when you go out in the third dimension, um, yeah. you can get that. So and I felt that lift when I was working. You know that's uh, really that's so good. That's so great to hear because I know for myself that you know I'm a very sensitive soul, just like the next person out there, right? With all of us, you know, sensitives out there, and it it. I tend to wall myself off from people quite a bit on this planet because um, due to the nature of what I'm doing is mostly on the computer and not with people as much, you know, in person anyway, but which I prefer. I literally do prefer that. Um, But it doesn't mean I don't go out and I'm, you know, with people and stuff, but you're right. You you really have, it's like a lot more that you got to do to your energy before and after being (laughs) in the people. You have to come back and, almost shower off, you know, energetically as well as physically some of the energy pollution, as you say, that is on us all the time. And so I'm, I'm always trying to help people to, you know, stay in the higher vibrations as much as you possibly can, 
by whatever means necessary, it doesn't mean that you're not going to experience some of that pollution and some of that negative energies that are around because we all do, especially those of us that are empaths that tend to pick up and absorb that stuff from other people. Um, and the more, but the more you practice working with, like for instance, my shields, you know, it's one of the reasons why I created those shields was to uh -huh. actually help people with some of that external stuff and to keep your vibration high um, and to raise it up higher when you need to. It's like, you know, turn up the volume of your own higher self and your own octaves so that that stuff doesn't affect us as much. But, you know, that a lot of my energies that I put into the artwork, it's not just me, but it's also the higher galactics, the angelics, the elementals. They're all putting their energy in there too for everybody to work with their team, work with their own team mm -hmm. and raise their frequencies. So I hear that a lot though, just about the nature of, I just feel better with these decks in my hands. I just, I, there's an energy about them. You know, they feel lighter or I feel lighter. It's really a common thing because you're not only just dealing with a picture, you know, on a piece of paper, you're actually dealing with the energetics behind that and everything uh -huh. that is involved in that, not just my work, but what they are, you know, I'd say infusing into the art for people on a higher level. And I don't have a lot of negative cards in the first place. I mean, there's a couple of challenge cards or something, but I, I don't, I'm not one to create a bunch of like the duality zone cards. I only have a few of them in there. <laughs> Yeah, because uh, I feel like we have enough of that. Like we, it's like I don't know. It's just I think we have a lot of that already, and so to counterbalance it, you know, some of the deeper meanings that I do have in there, but they're not going to be the the real strong like duality. Uh, although mm -hmm. I did add in some of them to the second edition, like duality. <laughs> There's a card in there called right that. Uh, but well, that was needed. You know, there's the things that were missing well, yeah. in there, and so yeah. I need to put so that if you in. Can't if you can't recognize <laughs> the duality, you can't transcend it. Yeah, exactly. And let me ask so, if you think um, by maintaining, you know, this, this higher, lighter um, frequency, uh, the more that you can, you know, own that, wear that, then – would you say that going, you know, into a, a really dense situation where the energies are really low, that it's less tolerable mm. and you won't put up with that? I think that, you know, as we embrace ourselves, who we really are, and as we get stronger in raising the frequency and being able to hold that energy, I think that by doing that, you know, this is the more we strengthen it. If we walk into a room that's just filled with all this negative low vibration, due to the nature that if you're holding your energy higher and you're in that vibration, you then transmute the whole room. So <laughs> I feel yeah. like it actually becomes better. You become stronger and the room and everyone in it becomes raised up as well. And that's what I think is the true, you know, that's like the mastery of it, where uh -huh. it shouldn't get harder 
for us, it should actually get, I don't want to say easier, but it should just have a higher purpose. That's the best way of putting it. That you turn your energy into a beacon of light that can't be doused, that can't be shut down, that can't be turned off. So it is like the lighthouse that walks into a room and no one has a key to turn off that light except you. So you can either dampen it, lessen it, lower it, dim your light, or you can just shine like a beacon. And what that's going to do to the rest of the room, well, you know, you can only see that the people that are going to be like blinded by it and be like, ah, I can't look at that. I can't do that. I can't, you know, because we know that, right? There's a lot of people that don't like people's light. And those are the people that will, it's like they'll shrink away from it. But then the people that uh, will, you know, see the light and they probably will turn their own lighthouse on too because it just, it, it stimulates everybody else. And that's what I think is really about, this is what we're doing here. So it is about building your strength, you know, to be able to walk into places that are really dense, especially those people that live in the dense environments. I mean, people that live right. in, you know, downtown Detroit, Michigan, or someplace that's got like yeah. downtown L.A., you know. There's a lot of people holding the energy there, and I want to applaud all of you, by the way, who are doing that, because that is a really, really powerful job, in a way, that you're doing, holding Mm -hmm. down the grid there for other people. And so um, that's part of a lot of people's mission, too. Not everybody has that mission, but there's a lot of people that do have that mission, and thank God for them. Well, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think that, that... The, the more practice you become at keeping that high frequency, um, the easier it is to maintain and mm-hmm. not be affected when, you know, when you go into, you know, the, the what do you, what do you want when you go into the pit? <laughs> exactly. But exactly. As you were, ta- as you were talking, I, I was, I was seeing a visual that mm. uh, it, it really fit. If you imagine um, like a, a a piece of um, like nylon stockings, nylon stocking mm-hmm. type material, and it's and mm-hmm. it's in a frame, stretched in a frame. Well, if you take a pencil underneath it and push it up, there's one peak, but everything else around it gets lifted up just because that one peak is there. Mm. So yeah, you know, like, it's like picking up the fabric of space. And 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 so if if you're the pencil, then when you go up under that 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 fabric, everyone in your vicinity also gets elevated just by by the light you're carrying. The and the reverse is the reverse is true too. If there's a person mm-hmm. who's pushing down on the fabric, they suck right. everybody in around them into that lower around. frequency. Yeah, and we've all experienced that, you know, at one point or another, when you've gone into a room or you've been around the people and you know what it's like and you walk in there. But I think the trick, too, is our intuitive abilities to be able to um, know and be aware. And that's what awareness is all about. You know, our consciousness has to be aware all the time of what's around us and in our surroundings. It's part of the awakening process of all star seeds, of all light workers, of everybody that, you know, when we go through that awakening process, we become more aware of our own energy. 
And we become are aware of our energy when we're feeling sad or we're feeling angry or we're feeling frustrated and what that does in the vicinity of other sensitive people. And so we learn to moderate our different uh, emotions and our different energies. I always say it's like, you know, Spock from Star Trek. You know, he's he's operating from a very high level, even though people say, oh, Spock doesn't have any emotions at all. Well, yes, he does. He's part human, if you remember. He's part human and part Vulcan. But So he does have the emotion. But he's able to take his Vulcan side and raise up his emotions so that they come from what I call the higher heart. Okay, so he's operating mm-hmm. from a whole different place, which means his emotions are not tainted like roller coaster ride, like most of us are. Like right, that his is, his is more of a higher heart level, and so you're coming from that place, but you're staying in a higher level with it, and not letting your emotions take over. And that's what I think is important for us to know: is we we are supposed to be in management, control, whatever you want to call it, of your own emotions, your own uh, energy field. You know, this is what the ancients teach. This is what the ancient uh, Chinese masters teach that. I mean, you have to be aware of your own energy field first and then being aware of other people's energy field and where your energy field stops and there starts and then be able to manage that. You know, martial arts is all about that, you know, and having having to uh, learn the different things. But I would use the example of Spock because it's really, you know, if we could all be a little bit more like that, and some people would say, well, he's, it's very emotionless and it's not, you know, the human way or whatnot. And I think, you know, there's a, there's a you call it, if you come in and look at both, you know, James T. Kirk and how his emotions just go crazy, right? You know, he's mm-hmm. just all over the place, but he lives with his heart open, you know, he's he's got his heart open. So if you can blend the two of them together, I think you pretty much got it, where it's like you got James yeah. Kirk and, you know, Spock, and you blend them together because you got the perfect, you know, balance of heart and mind and spirit all in one. But I think that we could all stand to learn a little bit more from Spock right now because we have a lot of James T. Kirk, you know, emotional um, people that wear it on their sleeve, which is great not a bad thing but we also have to make sure manage our energies around other people too and i think it's just really about responsibility our emotional responsibility you know and Mm -hmm. looking at how we can actually take that um, and be and make this place a better place to live for everyone including ourselves we become happier our people around us become happier and we raise the frequency of some of the lower energies as well as, you know, keeping the, the levels of positivity running. Yeah, well, you're talking about one of my heroes. Spock was always my favorite. Um, yeah, and, and he had, I mean, he transcended emotion. He wasn't, he wasn't um, a, a, a puppet of his emotions. Uh, mm-hmm. And and therefore he could he could see things that that Kirk couldn't see because Kirk exactly. was all wrapped up in the emotion of it, you know. Right. And and uh, you know and Spock always came up with the answer. So I, I, to me, he was 
he was the most important character because Kirk couldn't do what he did without him. He really did. So. He really like, <laughs> he managed that whole situation, and and it would get you know especially between between uh, Kirk and you know the doctor. <laughs> the doctor would go off on the handle too. He was having a hard time with his emotions. Like he sometimes just yeah. went off, you know. Um, but that's what I think it 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 sort of emulates the fact that we're all different though. So we can't all be the same. You know, I don't feel like that's what we're meant to do here either. Oh, yeah. We are exactly. here to be exactly. who we are. Do, uh, if you're more of a, you know, James Kirk guy, or you know, let that be you. Be you. Uh, we're just, I think, saying to also have some management over your emotions so it doesn't go astray, you know, in right. the verse yeah. of it. Because well, yeah, right now we... A lot of people going crazy, you know, just doing crazy stuff, saying crazy stuff and just going off the handle when we need to take the higher road, you know, the higher path. Right. Well, that's why you, you just lift up one eyebrow and say, well, that's fascinating. And you move yeah. on, <laughs> you know. So that's speaking of, of moving on, um, I want to make sure that we get um, cover some other stuff here before our time yeah. is up. Um, and I wanted to... Um, just for a, a minute or two, talk about the the new transitional recalibration sessions that you do. Oh, yes. Yeah, I uh, started to feel that one of the things over the last few years that we've been dealing with on this planet mostly is transitions. You know, so many people going through so many different types of transitions, Okay and all different kinds of transitions from, you know, just some people just could be moving geographically. Some people lost their jobs. Some people had um, lost their lives, literally, and transitioned and crossed over. And then that left a lot of people around them, you know, with uh, pain and suffering. And so there's been a lot of different types of transitions, uh, job, health transitions, career transitions, relationship, you know, transitions. And so I decided to just come up with a session to help people with those types of things. So I have um, I have a few things that I would suggest on there. there can, it can kind of be an open-ended if someone's dealing with something specific. I have some suggestions, but it's not limited to that. I can also help people with uh, some other other types of um, you know situations or. Um, so it, it's kind of an open, open-ended, but it helps me a little bit because in my starseed alignment sessions, I have very specific things I'm doing with people, you know, doing a, a soul origins, um, starseed readings, and then doing my light language chakra clearings and upgrade. And so I don't really have a whole lot of time in those sessions to really go through, uh, those types of things. So that's why I started to bring this out and it's a new session uh, transitional recalibration. So it's helping people to recalibrate based on what's going on, like the situation or the transition that you are going through. And if you need assistance with that, there's a light language uh, upgrade that you can do. So it's kind of like someone that doesn't want light language, doesn't have to, uh, but there is an upgrade to do uh, light language frequencies to help with um, those specific things as well. So it's kind of a choice you have there. I decided to let that be a choice rather than um, just putting it in there. And so that's available. Um, it's kind of a new session that I have come up with. But I've I've been getting the push to do it for a couple of years. It's just um, I had a lot of launches that I did last year. So it's just yeah. coming out now. 
Yeah. So these are um, like private one-on-one. Yes. Live uh-huh. sessions so that you do. One-on-one. Um, there and some and some of these sessions, depending on what someone wants, because I I do them via you know Skype online or uh, phone if it's in the U.S. or Canada or, or uh, Mexico, I believe. Right. Uh, otherwise, it's going to be on Skype. Um, but I also do MP3 files, so if somebody does not want that, and I've had this happen where uh, there's language barriers, people all over the world, and sometimes people just want to have me record the session. So that's actually available on most all of my sessions as well if um, you want that. So you just write in, you know, what you're dealing with, and then I kind of just tune in and I'll do a, uh, uh, you know, recording of it, an MP3 recording, and then if it's got the light language activation portion, that will also be recorded. So um, there's many different ways that I offer to do the sessions. At the moment, I'm doing them all, all those ways I mentioned. I just don't have email sessions at the moment. I mean, I might do that, but okay. at the moment, I don't have that. Yeah, well, that's kind of so, time-consuming for you. Yeah, it's like, but, I type uh, pretty me, fast, but... <laughs> let me ask yeah. if... Um, do you have... Excuse me. A, a recording of various light languages? Like, uh, like you know, here's a message in Pleiadian, and then you do mm. that, and then here's a message in Arcturian, and then you do that. Do you have a collection mm. like that? Um, what I... I have is I have a light language foundations audio class and in that audio class there are included there's there's three different types of well there's two different types of my face it's actually what I do in my phase two which is my light language chakra clearing and in that you would get like you know as I'm going through the chakras then I speak a certain light language because that's what I do in those sessions. I don't necessarily say it on the recording though. This is Pleiadian. It's just, it's a part of the whole process, but there will be different languages that come through when I'm working with the different chakras. So I don't necessarily have, I do have that when you go onto my YouTube channel, all my activations on there. Um, You know, it'll say like, you know, Pleiadian upgrade or something. And then you'll know it's kind of Pleiadian. Although I do have some of these that are combination uh, activations, so I might roll one into another. And then on screen, you'll see it. As I started to put them on screen, um, where I don't stop the flow and say it, it's just listed up on screen. And then when I switch into another one, I change that. You know, so oh, my, that's perfect. My, yeah, just so people are aware of what language is coming through and then they can visually see the change or the shift of it. So I'd say my YouTube channel probably has um, a majority of that where it's a blend, where I might have an image that I worked on and do a light language activation of the fairies, you know, which I just did the last one was from the fairy. Um, and I'm, <laughs> excuse me, I'm also doing a lot of DNA activations as well. So that's where you would probably find something like that, uh, okay, great. which would be on my channel. So. And I'm I'm eventually um, supposed to be in, you know, uh, do you know Craig Compabasso? I'm pretty sure you guys oh, know of him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah you he, and he uh, came on the show together uh, when, yeah, when he launched. Yeah, a while ago. That's right. In one of his books, and yes. the E.T. Uh, Almanac, which he has out, and he's doing a documentary on that. And I also um, filmed a couple of years back 
of some of that so that I, I think I'm, I'm going to be in that documentary whenever it comes out, the film. And in that, I also have some of my light language. I don't know how they're going to use it between him and I believe Frank Jacob is the one that's doing the filming on it. But however they ended up doing it, I did supply them with um, some light languages to utilize in that as well. So um, lots of different ways to bring out the light language, <laughs> many different yeah, ways. Well, okay, so speaking of that, I, I think we've reached the part of the show where I would like you to um, Do the give activation. us some, some sample activations uh, yes. you know, and I mean, even though I know the the first the first time you did that, even though mm-hmm. I I had no idea what the words meant, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. energy and the frequency, I mean, I got the whole flavor, and, yeah. and there was one in particular that I I really resonated with, and it's like ah oh, mm-hmm. oh gosh, I got to hear that again. So um, I don't know. Do you remember if, which one it was? Or I can oh, I do. I I do. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, I remember um, most specifically uh, the difference between Arcturian mm. and Pleiadian. Mm. Arcturian, yeah. That's uh, what, you know, that's a, mm-hmm. and I actually, I think of the Arcturians um, like Vulcans, <laughs> you know, similar. because they're much more, you know, science and math and... Yeah, they're much the higher. They're in their higher heart, higher mind energy for sure. Um, and they actually work in the mind field. I call it the mind field, mind, uh, mind field, because it's right. like a mind when you're up there. So, uh, but they work a lot in that area. And I was actually getting thanks to that because I was actually getting that they um, were wanting to come in and and do a transmission. I call it transmission from there, uh, from them. But there's a lot of that going on right now and needing to clear the space, the mind space, um, for all of us. This is really important right now. So, yes, I will definitely, I was kind of feeling that that was coming forth, so that's probably going to come forth okay. again. Okay, <laughs> so, well, I will I will be quiet and let you do what you do right. to prepare. So, but first I just want to say to everybody, that, you know, most of your people probably understand, heard light language, um, but if not, you know, just put your mind off to the side just so you don't go and try to figure it out from the mind. <laughs> We're really just turning and tuning into the energy and into heart space and energy of the uh, your body and just allow whatever wants to shift or change or you might jerk your body a little bit. Whatever happens, just let it be. It's all coming from a really high vibrational positive place, okay? So just... Uh, Close your eyes. I might roll into a, a one after that. So just know that. But um, as I tune in, just everybody kind of take a nice deep breath. And you're just putting your focus now on you, your body, your presence, and bringing in your own higher self as well, being that sort of gatekeeper. Um, the higher self knows and knows exactly what energies and activations are right for you. Hmm. <clears throat> 
そうそう、私は、私は、私は、私は、私は、私は、私は、私は、私は、私は、私は、私は、私は、私は、私は、私は、私は、私は、私は、私は、私は、私は、私は、私は、私は、私は、私は、私は、私は、私は、私は、私は
uh, your star si- star seed uh, side of you as well, and those that uh, connect with the Lyran energies um, really feel this connection that they want to find their people, find their tribe, find their heart, uh, and find their home. A lot of Lyrans feel displaced because they don't have a home anymore. And so I wanted to bring that in, but also the message of the home is where the heart is, is what the message came through. So these frequencies, when you open up to them, they have meanings, but I don't like to give too too much of the uh, word-for-word interpretations other than just some of the general stuff that comes through, because all of you out there will experience this slightly different. Some of you will uh, receive different codes and different messages that came through with that. And some of it may just be a transmission, so you're not going to necessarily receive any um, translations anyway. It's just energetically shifting some of the frequencies around you. And so just allow whatever comes from these uh, activations. And as you breathe in and just kind of feel that, solidness inside of your body and now again blending the uh, heart and mind together as it should be (laughs) wow I just I love I love listening to you when you when you bring through those energies because it's it's I don't know it's something you have to feel your way through and not Mm mm-hmm you know, intellectualize. (laughs) Analyze it. Right, exactly. It's hard to analyze. Well, I should say with those of us with analytical minds, it's actually easy to pick it apart and, you know, question it and be all skeptical about it. But I think picking, uh, you know, being overly analytical with it, uh, this isn't that type of, this isn't really what you analyze. You can analyze a lot of other things, but this isn't really one that helps to analyze uh, right, just because right. the nature of light language and languages of light are, some of them are more transmissions, some of them are languages, but they do come from a higher uh, level of of what we know here as language, you know. So there are roots in some of the languages. Like, for example, I just want to say um, the root that I see for the Arturian language, and actually they've they've shown me just the area of our globe here on the planet where the Arcturian presence, if you will, was, is going to be more like if you were to, if you were to say not Arcturians are all on this particular country in our planet, I'm just saying, but in that region, it's morally more of the Asian flavor. <laughs> so we have the Asian communities that, have very similar frequencies and actually their languages are actually derived, I believe, from some of the Arcturian. So I see some of the areas uh, in different locations on our planet and then I feel into the language and some of the languages are actually, you know, where did those languages come from, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so or where did our languages come from? We've derived them into, diluted them down, and now they have certain meanings, and it's very specific. But if you think about where the original languages came from, you know, and Mm -hmm. so some of them have this derivative of it, but that's just one example 
Um, for me, Pleiadian energy, for example, have a couple of different locations that I've seen. One of them is Hawaii, for obvious reasons over there. Um, but there's a couple of other reasons, a couple of other regions that I feel also that are like Pleiadian uh, countries. If you, <laughs> I know that doesn't make sense because it's not like there's only Pleiadians living there. And some people we also say Norway. You know, we're the Norwegian. Uh, it, it, those are that would be true if you're talking about the Pleiadians that have all blonde hair, which they don't all have blonde hair, but there's a subset of them that do. <clears throat> so it's kind of interesting. I mean, I have a different stream which runs and tells me uh, brings in different information like that, and like I I attribute the chakras when I do my chakra clearings. I know which language is going with which chakra and which activates which chakra, you know, at the time. So mm-hmm. that's just kind of some of my stream energy that, and some of my intel that's come through over the years. It's pretty interesting. Oh, it sure is. And I, I noticed, uh, you know, the the the, the second I mean, the 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 Lyran or Lyran. Mhm. Mhm. It had it had like some of the cadence of of the what I remember from your doing Pleiadian light language, but it had. It had that different, you know, like rolling the R's, and I don't think... The rollings, yeah. Yeah. No, I don't yeah. usually do that one the Palladian, but with the Laren, for sure. It does have this yeah. uh, very lyrical, very, um, you know, it, it's almost like a set, it's like a song, <laughs> or if right. you will, right. you know, coming out in <clears throat> different frequencies. And, and it's not like every single Laren is, is going to have the same exact you know, speech or whatnot, well, well, sure. uh, or or language. But this yeah. is what the what comes through me. As a matter of fact, if you, I have a way of doing what's called Lyserian, and that's a blend of Lyran and Syrian, Syrian uh, hybrid. Okay, because there's a lot of hybrid oh. dialects as yeah. well. And yeah. so it's very interesting that my my partner is actually Lyserian. So he. Um, you know, and, and so when we have that, it's a blend. So, mm-hmm. you know, you've got to think about so many different types of blends. That's kind of an interesting one, but it kind of has, like, the rolling R's, and then it has this staccato-like, you know, uh, so Syrian is really kind of um, one of my favorite languages to actually speak is the Syrian, but it's actually quite abrupt. So you can imagine <laughs> both of those together. It's a very uh-huh. interesting language. <laughs> Um, well, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of I'm watching I'm watching the clock here, and we only have a a couple of minutes left. And I wanted to make sure you got a chance to mention your two yeah. um, starseed related events coming up the end of March oh, and yeah. the end of April. So if you just take yeah. two minutes and and tell us briefly about those. Yeah, um, we've got a couple of events coming up. So first of all, I'm going to be doing a collaboration with a couple people that you might know. Uh, one of them is Indigo Angel, and the other one is Pink Bella Aloha. And these are two people that are beautiful souls, and I'm going to be combining all of our efforts at the end of, uh, it's going to be, let's see, it's coming up at the end of this of March, actually. So it'll be um, March, uh, I believe it's 31st, and April 1st, and then April 2nd and 3rd, so all the way through there. We are going to be putting on a Starseed course together. So 
she'll have one day, you know, Pink Bella will have one day, Indigo Indigo will have one day, I'll have one day, and then we'll come back as a Q&A. Now, we are just going to be putting this up in the next week. So if you go to my website and check it, it won't be there yet, but it will be. So I just wanted to tell people it, we're going to be teaching all different kinds of topics from I'm going to be t- teaching about light language as well as starseed, uh, different things, topics for awakening the starseed blueprint and light language codes of consciousness. And we're all going to be doing uh, activation in the third segment. So you're going to get three huge activations or processes in that um, event. So you'll have to just check my, my website, which is lightstarcreations.com, or my social media on um, YouTube, my community page, or on Facebook on my, under Lightstar. And keep your eye out for that because you're not going to want to miss that. We're all bringing it. So that's going to be great for star seeds to uh, learn and to get that from three different uh, very well-respected people, if I should say so myself, for all of us to come together and create, uh, to help you guys and to teach and to do some instructing. So I'm excited. And it's online, so you don't have to be going anywhere. You know, it's all going to be online. Um, the second one that I want to mention is the Starseed, I'm sorry, Starseed, well, it's for Starseed, but it's the Sedona Cosmic Awakening, and that is happening the April 22nd and 23rd of 2023, and that is going to be in Sedona. And we are going to have a bunch of speakers that are going to be speaking. Some of the headliners' names we're going to be having is David Icke, actually. Uh, We have David Icke. We have Tony Rodriguez. uh, We have Frank Jacob and Jean Nolan, Lisa Barnett, um, and then Shakina Rose, myself, my partner Bear, Paul Wallace from Gaia, Thunderbeat, uh, and Isabella Green, and we have John Dumas who's doing some uh, some music for us as well. So we've got a great event coming up there. If any of you guys want to get away, come to Sedona, be in the Red Rocks, um, and that is you can go there to on my website. It's on my homepage, but you can also just go to um, SedonaCosmicAwakening.com and you can register there for that event. So highly, highly recommend those two things and um and anything else that you would like to like see all my music uh my new music the stuff that's coming out all that stuff is on there too my lightstarcreations.com my oracle decks are on there so you can go and check all that stuff out on my website um like i said i have some new music that we didn't get a chance to talk about that but that's on there as well powerful powerful White Swan 555 Solfeggio Tones, for those of you guys who like uh, that. It's highly powered um, toning, and the whole, all the tracks are all connected with the Solfeggio Tones and highly, highly clearing, very healing. So, um, yeah, so those are all the things that are on my website, the two events coming up, and I think that should do it. I really appreciate you having me on here so much. Thank you so much for everything. And uh, I'm glad you like the decks and um, can use them for many moons to come. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's always a pleasure having you on. And I'm telling you that the time has just flown by. I know. That doesn't doesn't happen with a lot of guests. So uh, I, we have I really too much fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I appreciate your your generosity. And is there uh, contact information on your website if someone wants to, you know, set up something with you? 
Yeah, I have. Yeah. Uh, well, if you go to my contact page, you can send me a, an email from the form there if you want to. Uh, I'm also on, you know, some social media. I have a, you know, my, well, you can reach out in many different ways, my YouTube channel, community page, or on Facebook uh, under Lightstar on my page. And Instagram, I'm kind of on there too, but, you know, these are areas that each social media, but on my contact page, you have a whole list of wherever I am, all my, you know, my channels, different channels I'm on from Rumble and Odyssey and all those things. So every, every, any place you would like to see me at, <laughs> it's going to be listed there. <laughs> okay. So you've got, yeah. you got all the bases covered. Yeah. It's all covered yeah. there. And Excellent. you can, you know, check out my sessions and if any questions or anything like that comes up, you know, um, just reach out. And um, I'm excited. So it was great to talk to Lavender. Hadn't talked to her in a long time, so I'm really glad I had a chance to do that. And I'm glad she's doing well. And um, you guys are doing great work. So thank you for everything you're doing. Oh, well, it's an honor. And hopefully uh, we'll get to meet you maybe in November. I know. I have you to... come to Arkansas. <laughs> I want to okay. yeah, I, I want to come play with the crystals too. <laughs> okay. Well, like it'll be a, it'll be a pleasure. Well, you know, whenever that moment occurs, it'll be a pleasure yeah. and I'll look forward to it. Awesome. So, like to start, thank you so much for being with us this evening and um for our listeners, we'll be back 2 weeks from tonight. Thanks for tuning in and always remember to keep gratitude and compassion in your heart Absolutely. good night light star so much. good night thank you so much bye everybody you're welcome good night everyone good bye night. You've been listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.